I've never been as excited about an event as I am this one. I always find the AOTA conference, especially now that we're back in person, which is great for us all to just reset and refill the cup. This is the, the time that I'm always energized. Are you looking to be empowered? Then you absolutely need to be there because we are really putting a tremendous amount of effort in empowering you, each individual you of this incredible community that we share. The speakers at AOTA Inspire 2023 will engage and inspire you. Today, we are talking with AOTA President Allison Stover, keynote speaker John O'Leary, and fireside chat presenter Sarah Thomas, as they preview what they will present and share what they are most excited about for AOTA Inspire. Okay, on today's episode, we are joined by recurring guest, Allison Stover. Allison, thank you so much for being on the show again. Thanks for having me again, Matt. It's always a good time. Uh, yes, it, it truly is. The last time we spoke, it was kind of an introduction as the new AOTA president with Vice President Arame um, in the interview as well. Um, so it's great to have you on again. Uh, last year, you were introduced at AOTA Inspire in Austin as the president-elect, and you've been serving since 2022 now. How's the past year been, and, and how's it kind of shaped or informed your term as president? You know, um, that's a great question. There is just so much to love about the profession of occupational therapy, but I think what I've learned um, since July 1st in particular in this new role is really there's so much to love about each and every human that makes up this profession of occupational therapy. And it has been so inspiring to have the chance to meet more of the members of this incredible community, to hear about their work, to just make them part of my closer network of people that I know and um, learn from. And so it's been it's been really rewarding. I'm happy to hear that, Allison. And I, I think I speak for a lot of practitioners when, when I say thank you for your exhaustive efforts on behalf of, of our profession. Part of this episode is getting everyone excited for the 2023 Inspire Annual Conference and Expo, uh, which is going to be in Kansas City, Missouri from April 20th to April 23rd. What would you say are the biggest benefits to a practitioner or student who attends AOTA Inspire? I think what's wonderful about AOTA Inspire is that there are some of the benefits that our long-standing annual conference is known for that's still there. So the ability to earn contact hours that we need for recertification, the opportunity to connect engage and even um, network with those of our community that we know or haven't had the chance to meet yet. Um, and, and just being in that one convenient location where we can really just touch into where evidence-based takeaways are coming from at the grassroots level has been something that's always been a benefit and something to get very excited for about conference. This year, um, I think in particular, we have 
all of these benefits and more. We have really thought about how we can contribute to everyone's learning. We have two, over 2,200 speakers on the agenda. We have 1,200 sessions, including posters, and 18 different tracks. It's out of this world, um, all the ways that we can learn, whether you are a student, a new practitioner, clinician, those in our mid-career, those who are getting ready to retire or who are enjoying the occupational therapy journey in retirement, those of us who are trying to switch into different atmospheres or arenas or environments of practicing occupational therapy, there's, there's really nothing you can't learn. And I think what's really exciting and inspiring is that we have listened to our community and we have felt very good about bringing new ways that the community has said we need to learn. So you're going to see representation of pelvic health knowledge and learning in this conference. You are going to see representation of the information that an entrepreneur is searching for, thirsting for. And so it is It is all that is wonderful about annual conference and then exponentially elevated. I love that, exponentially elevated. That's a, a great turn of phrase. Um, it, I love the emphasis of Inspire. It, it sounds like it's connection, it's community, it's learning, it's evidence. What what would you say, Allison, to practitioners or students who are maybe still on the fence about Inspire and unsure if there's really something for them there? Um, I think if you can answer yes to any of these questions, then you no longer need to be on the fence. You need to be a participant in conference. Have you felt uh, the creep of burnout in your your professional life as a student, as a practicing member of the occupational therapy community? Have you felt tired, fatigued, burnout? If it's yes, come. We're creating opportunities for health and mindfulness for the occupational therapy community member. Are you looking to meet new colleagues, catch up with old colleagues, um, or just really find a way that says, I've never had the chance to speak to someone in person about this topic before, then you need to come to conference. Are you looking for ways to be inspired? Then the keynote address and my presidential address will certainly fill that for you. Are you looking for new things? We have an inventor showcase and new opportunities to explore how we can move forward as entrepreneurs. Are you invested in learning more about the incredible, thoughtful work that's happening in our profession? Then you absolutely need to come see the Eleanor Clark Slagle Lecture this year. Are you just feeling like, I need something different? I need motivated. I feel a little bit lost in this career. Come. It, it reinvigorates us. It reminds us why we went into occupational therapy. And I will tell you that AOTA experience is, is nothing like anyone else can fill our cups with. I love that. Thank you, Allison. I can see our listeners nodding along with this episode and then answering yes to, to some and maybe all of those questions, um, if they're anything like me. There is also an option for virtual attendance. So listeners, practitioners, students can uh, register for the conference now and still 
get a lot of that content on demand in May. Do you want to share anything about the virtual attendance option? Yes. So as you said, virtual participation is absolutely an option that we are excited to continue this year as we did last year. Um, Like you mentioned, Matt, they can register now um, and then they will begin to participate on demand in May. You know, what you really have is that opportunity to say, I can't get there in person. There's so many things that can block us from being able to attend in person. But this conference has so much to offer every single person who represents the occupational therapy community that we want to make sure that you still feel um, that that ability to engage uh, and be empowered and informed. And so if there's any of those barriers coming your way, that's okay. Register. Uh, starting in May, you can start to view the, the sessions on demand and really find great ways to still be engaged, empowered, and informed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you mentioned your presidential address. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be on Friday, April 21st at 11.30 a.m. It's titled Perfecting Connecting. What inspired this direction and what are you going to be sharing with everyone at the conference? I don't want to give too much of it away. I read a great book uh, called Walk, and this book was about a man who had walked across the United States um, with nothing but his dog as companionship. In that walk, he met so many individuals, strangers who offered him a place to get a break from the rain since he was camping outside, to individuals willing to walk with him part of the way. And in each of these these people that he met, he learned not just about them, he learned a little bit more about himself. And the book was really inspiring. And I recognized as I had this great opportunity to go to various state conferences and engage with occupational therapy community members all across the nation, I was having the same exact experience as this author, that each time I met, spoke with, uh, had a Zoom call or connected with at a conference, a new individual that I didn't know from our community and heard what they were doing, how they were doing it, why occupational therapy was the community that was best for them, how they wanted to transform the occupational therapy community to continue to be inclusive and accepting and a place of belonging. I felt like I was learning more about myself and my own journey in occupational therapy. And I thought occupational therapy That really is the profession of connection. We are the ones who know how to connect and know how to do it in the most perfect way. But I think we often forget to do it for ourselves and within our community. And so you're going to take a little journey with me across the country, both in person and virtually, and meet some of these incredible humans that were willing to share their story. And um, I hope it, it contributes to your occupational therapy journey as well. I, I want to ask more, but I don't want to press you for too many spoilers. Um, I, I am excited to hear about that experience and, and everything you learned while on um, that cross-country connecting tour. Allison, what, what would you say you're most looking forward to at Inspire 2023? We have some incredible speakers. We always have great speakers. But our keynote speaker, John O'Leary, is just inspirational. I know every year we say, wow, this keynote speaker took me to a place that I just forgot about or I had never known. He really he really continues to build on the legacy of 
such amazing keynote speakers. And it doesn't hurt that his wife is an occupational therapist. (laughs) I have to say, I have had the great, great privilege of learning from Sarah Thomas, an occupational therapist and entrepreneur in our community, for many years now. I am thrilled that she's going to be doing um, some fireside chat and embracing entrepreneurship. The knowledge that she has to share with our community to continue to enhance and empower occupational therapy, it's amazing and inspirational. And I've never walked away from Sarah without at least three new ideas to try in my own world. Obviously, the expo uh, is always a great time, and I can't wait to see all the vendors and the goodies that they bring. I am really eager for our salsa dance breaks. I can't say that it will be a visually appealing uh, break if you're watching me, but I can tell you I will be laughing through it all. I'm so excited for the panels that we have. We have this incredible panel on the hidden occupations and co-occupations of women, the perinatal period, being given by some outstanding members of our community. And just that idea of alumni receptions and conversations that matter and the awards reception and recognizing the incredible people contributing daily to our profession. I am so excited to see the number of incredible occupational therapy assistants being recognized with our roster of honors this year. It is outstanding. I'm floored and cannot wait to uh, recognize and celebrate and elevate each one of those recipients. A huge, huge thing that I've always loved is AOT Pack Night. It's never not been fun. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it would have been easier to ask what I wasn't excited about than what I personally was. (laughs) There we go. There we go. There truly is so much to engage with, so much fun to have, so many opportunities to learn um, and contribute as well. Let's talk tips and tricks. How can attendees really make the most out of their participation in conference? I think one of the best things that we can do is download learn, use the app. The app is going to be just an outstanding resource for us. We've had an app for a number of years, but this year we've really upgraded the app to respond to the feedback that we've had um, in the past and to make sure that it is incredibly useful, helpful, supportive for your entire ability to engage. So become really familiar with the app. The other thing I would say is Make sure that you have something with your name and easy contact information, whether you write it out a hundred times on different pieces of paper or you have uh, professional business cards or a QR code or um, some way to really ensure that through this networking, there is a way to follow up. And with that, I'd say to make the most out of that networking experience is We're all coming together for this opportunity to engage, inform, and empower in the occupational therapy community. Say hi, reach out, whether you know them or not. Give a fist bump or an air high five or a hug for those when it's able and comfortable. Just really take the opportunity to, to recognize that we all belong in this community, and this community only benefits when we are all Uh, working with one another, belonging together. I would say use the app, 
bring ways to uh, share your contact information and be so ready and open to learning and engaging and walking away empowered. I love that. Those are wonderful tips. The app is excellent. You can create your own profile on there, create a schedule. You can look at all the available speakers and events and and sessions and customize it. So a lot of awesome options there. Um, I do have one more question. I can't end the interview without asking you for one additional golden nugget. Um, If there was one piece of advice uh, that you would give to our listeners, what would you say? This is a good one. Um, I would say practice occupational balance. We can't teach it. We can't encourage others um, to embrace it and integrate it into their own lives if we ourselves don't know how to do it. Have grace for yourself. Um, Enjoy each day because this profession gives us an opportunity to be such a vital part, an intimate part of people's stories and journeys. So pause, give yourself grace, and appreciate that place we have in everyone's journey. And just be sure that you are making sure that your journey is also balanced with pause and opportunities to really experience each area of occupation. Perfect. That is such a wonderful nugget. Allison, thank you so much for your time and coming on the show today, for all the work that you do, um, and for this really uplifting and inspiring message. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. It's always a joy. We'll see you at Inspire in Kansas City. Okay, today we are joined by John O'Leary. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. Matt Brandenburg, what a delight to be with you. I really appreciate that. Um, I've been really excited to talk to you. You're an accomplished speaker, a national best-selling author of two books, On Fire and In Awe, a, a podcaster yourself, um, and our whole entire profession is lucky enough that you're going to be the keynote speaker uh, for the AOTA Inspire Conference mm-hmm. um, this year. Uh, So thank you so much for your time. Tell me about conference. What I'll tell you is I have had the pleasure over 18 years of speaking 2,500 times. So that's a lot of times, a couple million people live. And as I was telling some of the organizers of this awesome event in Kansas City, I've never been as excited about an event as I am this one. And there's a whole lot of reasons why. We can probably talk about a few of them while we're together but this is going to be awesome. So I'm excited for my little part of it, but I'm also excited to <laughs> two things. One, just sit back and take notes. And then secondly, for one of my very first times as a speaker, travel with someone who is a member of AOTA named my wife, Elizabeth Grace O'Leary. So my wife is an OT and she'll be joining me in conference. That is going to be such an amazing experience to share that with you know, your life companion. I can, I can only imagine. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well. And specifically to your part in that conference, um, you truly are an inspirational example of overcoming challenging lived experiences. Uh, can you introduce us to your story? Yeah. I mean, part of the story that I think is 
kind of in some regards, the coolest part is the fact that for a long time, John Leary never knew he had a story worthy of being shared. And it, it really wasn't until I was in my late 20s after I got married and, and, and started doing life that I recognized this story of my childhood. I know you work with Pete. What I went through as a kid was a defining moment in my life. And I'd always viewed it as being a negative defining moment. And then as I aged, I recognized slowly, Matt, that it, it wasn't negative. It was painful and hard, but it was powerful and positive. And so the, the defining moment was at age nine, I was in a house fire. I got, got burned on 100% of my body. I spent five and a half months in hospital, a couple of years afterwards in surgery and therapy. And we can unpack that, but I spent the, the majority of my life afterwards trying not to look back, trying to look forward, trying to make something of my life and trying not to be defined by something negative. So uh, part of that story is what we'll be sharing with you and with your colleagues in Kansas City, this story of rising above challenges and doing something massive with your life and making a difference, changing the world one life at a time. But recognizing we do that powerful work by first starting at home, by recognizing that our work, that our lives, that our words, that our actions, that it all matters. That's that's amazing. And I, I think it's really interesting. You mentioned how it took you know, decades for your perspective on, on what occurred to, to really change um, and, and to begin to use that as, as an empowering force in, in your own life. Um, that's, that's motivational in, in itself. Um, and, and your wife is an occupational therapist. What are some of your other experiences with occupational therapy? Do you remember what it was like after your injury it being introduced to occupational therapy? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, of course. So uh, for those on our podcast who have ever received OT, you know, you, you probably remember that it's an unforgettable experience and it's a painful one if we're being honest about it. What I remember most about the first stages of this is they would come into my room and they would be garbed from head to toe. Like really, you could only see their eyes. The first lady who came into my life was a woman named Lisa. And I remember her eyes and I remember, remember the sound of her voice. And I remember how she would move my arms and as gingerly as she could, but also um, inflicting a little bit of pain because you've got to stretch through the pain to grow. Even when you're maybe not even going to survive this event, even then these wonderful folks would come into my room and sit alongside of me and stretch me and love me and serve me and speak with me. And I'll never forget that. And what I also remember about it, Matt, this is, I think, very important, is although almost everybody else on the staff was afraid to touch the patient. Like, what do you do with a burn patient? 100% burn, wrapped like a little mummy. Where, where do you touch? The OTs just jumped right in. And they unhooked me from the bed and they started stretching those joints. And it wasn't fun, but it was meaningful that someone would come into that room with me and be with me and, and touch me. So even as a kid, that's one thing I remember distinctly. Eventually, I got a little bit better, and they were able to put me into a wheelchair. And I'm telling you, dude, it's, it's powerful to get out of a room and go anywhere else in the, in the hospital. So they would take me down. They would let me have the honor of pushing L. So I would push L all the way down from the fourth floor to L, and we'd roll through a couple of hallways on, in the lobby, down to another flight of uh, elevators, and then into the therapy room. And now you're with 12 other patients. And down there was a, a lady named Julie, Julie Walker, who was my OT. And she was, she was like my friend. 
sometimes uh, some of the other treatments were just just nothing but painful. With OT, one of the beautiful things I remember most about it is as you're, whether you're punching beans literally, or you're trying to raise your arm to touch a new thing, or you're trying to hold your hands together, hold a marker to color, it seemed as if everything I was doing was ultimately taking me somewhere else. Like, I never understood bandage change. Like, that was always just bad. A lot of the physical therapy, I never fully got my hands like, why Why are they stretching my knees like this? I never fully got that. But with my OTs and with occupational, occupational therapy, it seemed that everything they did had a purpose in mind, a, a purpose that would allow me ultimately to move from this current situation into a better one. I, I love that. And the, the fact that you remember the names of these early therapists in your life, despite it being such a difficult time where you were told you'd have a 1% chance of, of surviving, um, truly shows how impactful care can be when it is focused on helping someone live their life, get back to the things that, that provide them meaning, um, and really focusing work on um, on the person. Uh, mm. That's, you know, the crux of occupational therapy, that the person comes first, really. Well, and I, I think when you're seen, you know, so, so few of us feel as if we're truly seen and truly met where we are and truly loved as we are and truly still, no matter what we've been through, have possibilities still in our days. And when you're a patient, as I was, as much as I was loved and as incredible as my parents were, and we had a, a global network of volunteers supporting and serving this little boy, to have a therapist, and sometimes they worked in tandem, so to have two therapists sit alongside of you and encourage and love and laugh and touch and encourage and inspire you to recognize this exercise is guiding you toward that. And that thing ultimately has a meaning in your life, just like you have meaning in your life, John, like... You know, I was nine and then eventually 10 as they were guiding me through this treatment, but it it still resonates. I'm, I'm emotionally moved telling you about it today. I haven't talked about these stories in quite a while. And thank you so much for being open and, and willing to share um, what would be such a, a traumatic and, and really difficult experience to overcome. Um, how, how long was uh, this therapy process for you? Yeah, well, five and a half months in hospital. Mm -hmm. And for those who may work with those who've been burned, I mean, you recognize this, the therapy starts almost immediately, even if we don't know if the patients will survive. So these therapists were courageously coming into my room early on, super early on. They did so for the next five and a half months. And then my mom and a group of folks would drive me from home to this little therapy center. And we would continue that therapy for the next two years. So it was two years of hands and necks and arms and shoulders being moved and stretched. And, and, you know, listen, the goniometer was always in action, baby. We were stretching <laughs> that thing and, and, gro and growing and advancing, but more than the numbers, we were eventually able to put a shirt on. And then even though I don't have fingers to button a shirt, that's pretty remarkable. And then to pick up a fork and that's pretty awesome. And then to get, like pack a bag, brush your teeth. In other words, not just tracking like uh, 82 to 84% of rain. No, 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 not that. We're talking about real impact in this little boy's life. So those therapists sat alongside of me and stretched me for a couple of years as I returned to a normal life. That, that truly is amazing. I think 
as a therapist, sometimes it can be easy to get kind of zeroed in on the details and um, the measurables of, you know, goniometer measurements and, and uh, the things we track in, in our reports and our, and our note taking. Um, but really the focus on on living and accomplish yes. those uh, activities of daily living uh, are, are so impactful. By the way, I, I haven't used the word goniometer in 36 years. So if I pronounced it poorly or used it improperly, offer a little bit of grace. But I do remember the goniometer frequently on the edge of my elbow and on my little fingers and on the shoulder. You had me fooled. I would, you know, the way you pronounce it, I would have pegged you to have your own <laughs> goniometer holster, you know, on the hip. <laughs> Thank you again, John. I'm, I'm, we're so excited for your keynote um, again at AOTA Inspire 2023 in Kansas City, April 20th to 23rd. Um, your keynote is titled The Power of One. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what inspired this direction and, and give us maybe a little, little preview of what you're going to be sharing? A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called On Fire. And when it first came out, or at least right before it came out, the publishers in New York designed the jacket to have a picture of me on the front of it wearing a suit. And I, I haven't seen this picture in a long time, but my arms are crossed and I'm looking at the reader with my hair slicked back just perfectly. And it, it's like, hey, I've achieved much. And if you read this, you might too. So I wrote back and I'm like, hey guys, read the book. Because this book's not about me. It's about people showing up and serving. And what happens when one by one, we do our very best to make a difference for the one in front of us. That, that's what the book is about. So when they came back, there's this new cover and no O'Leary on the front of it or back of it. Instead, it's these miry, uh, you can see yourself when you look at the cover and it's called foil wrap, the letters. And it says on fire. But when you look closely, it looks like fire until you look more closely, then you see yourself in it. And the idea of the book, and this is the idea of the message also with your group, the idea is to recognize that in other people's stories, you can make a profound impact in their life in little and in massive ways, frequently when you don't even know it. So what I've discovered over my life, my life since being released from hospital and released from care and stepping into the journey afterwards is the people who made the biggest difference for me seldom knew they did. The names I dropped, Lisa, my first therapist, therapist, and then eventually Julie and Roy, Brenda, Maureen. These are all therapists from my time in hospital. It wasn't until years later, I went back to show them what became of my life that they recognized, wow, that work back then mattered. It mattered. And so my, my job is I look at what will O'Leary do well from the stage in front of the AOTA group. Well, it is to stand in front of this group incredibly humbly, incredibly gratefully with the big, massive mirror in hands, reminding these amazing therapists of the impact of their work and of the impact of their lives and of the truth that sometimes it's overlooked and sometimes it's underappreciated and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's difficult at, at home, but it's worthy and it matters. And our job ultimately to stretch and to strive to make it even better going forward. So that's a mouthful. But I want to remind the individuals who join us in Kansas City to the degree that their work and their lives impact. That's such an encouraging and, and empowering message. Um, and, and it's humbling to hear uh, it coming from you, John. Thank you uh, so much for that. I know it can be tough sometimes, like you mentioned, to to really see the value in, in your work and in your efforts. 
Um, and sometimes it can even be hard to to fully dedicate yourself to serving the person who's in front of you oh. and providing, you know, the best care or, or service possible. What What's a recommendation that you would give to practitioners and our listeners to to really serve one at a time, like you mentioned? Well, it's a great question. And I'm, I'm going to answer it in a way probably I should not, but it's to start at home. I think if our buckets are empty, how could we possibly pour into somebody else? And so I'm going to beg the most selfless group that I'll probably ever speak to, these wonderful occupational therapists and students and leaders, to be selfish, (laughs) to take time for yourself, to do things that ultimately fill up your bucket at home, to take care of yourself physically and emotionally and spiritually, financially and relationally. These things matter. Because if we're not doing that stuff first, we can't possibly take care of the patient in front of us when we show up for work. So I would remind everybody, including myself and you, Matt, to take time for you to be selfish for a little bit. And then once we're at work, one thing I've always tried to do is to create a mission statement that guides my work. And so like, because otherwise we just get beat down by the work and racing from patient to patient or student to student and experience to experience. And, and then we're late to pick up the kids or let the dog out and life gets so busy and chaotic. So being tethered to mission is really important. And one thing we do when we work with organizations is to help individuals create mission statements. We call them ignition statements, ignition statements. It's why you do the work you do in the first place. So my ignition statement, and this ought to grow out of the question, why you choose, Matt, to thrive? Listener, why do you choose to thrive? Why show up early? Why serve the one in front of you? Why stretch not only them, but yourself? Why become a better version of yourself each day? Why join us in Kansas City so that you can return even better once you get back? Why do this work? Why? So the reason I do the work, and this is my personal mission statement, but it, it, here's, here it is. I choose to thrive each day because God demands it. My family deserves it. The world is starved for it. Let's roll. No excuses. And so for me, that just grounds me, whether it's a podcast interview or a speech that I'm given or a patient that I'm visiting with. I also work as a hospital chaplain. What, whatever the work might be at that time, what grounds me in that moment is the reason why I do the work in the first place. And so as we race through our days, fellow therapist, my encouragement is to slow down long enough first to take care of yourself. So start at home. And then secondly, be laser focused on why you would do this work well in the first place with a mission statement. Wow, that is that is powerful. And and thanks for sharing your ignition statement. Um, I, I love how it's it's personalized to you. You know, it it might take years of uh, lived experience of introspection to really know yourself and figure out what does make you tick. Is it making the world a better place? Is it, um, you know, serving others? Um, Is it, uh, you know, partly rooted in in religious beliefs um, or or motivations? Um, I I love that it's something that that should be personalized to everyone. It's completely personalized. And you'll also notice you did not hear the term OT in there or speaker in there or father in there. It ought to be the kind of thing we do 24-7. So the the mission statement we design as therapists ought to be what gets us up early, gets us into our day, gets us to serve the one in front of us well, allows us to take care of ourselves, but also finish that day strong with a smile on our face. 
So it, it ought to be incredibly personal for you, but also the kind of thing that serves you well, both as a professional, but also as a human being. And I love that. I love that. Thank you, John. Um, I, I know within our profession, uh, you know, compassion fatigue some, sometimes yeah. happens. Uh, practitioners experience burnout. You've mentioned the importance of, of taking care of yourself um, and really learning to love yourself before you, you love and serve um, others. Um, can you talk to us about that? What, how can practitioners really work to, to get their life right, would you say? Yeah. Well, let me, the, the, the fear is if we don't, we become, we become venomous and, and we become the reason why young therapists leave the profession or at least why they leave our job site. And so the getting it this right will impact not only the patient or the student in front of you, but everybody around you, including the reflection in the mirror. So this is really, really important work. And when the work you do is exhausting and grueling and for many of us, more is being asked than ever before. Like we're, there's really a lot of polls on our time, which means compassion fatigue is something that we are all at risk of facing. What, what I found to be very effective in my own journey with managing compassion fatigue is one, being aware. You used that term earlier when talking about O'Leary's mission statement. Like, gosh, it took a lot of personal awareness. Well, if that's true, then you got to make space for that. So give yourself a little bit of space in the morning and in the evening to decompress. Um, I'll start with the evening, but I, when I get home from work, I always leave my cell phone behind and I take a walk around the neighborhood with my wife. We usually bring our dog. The dog seems to enjoy it, but we love walking our little puppy dog and we, we love the time. We love not having technology. We love not having kids pulling down on us. We love not having phones drawing our attention somewhere else. So being in nature with someone you love, that's been very helpful to have a journal at the end of every night to track the day. One of the little routines I have with my children, I ask them for the highlight and the low light. What was the best part of the day and what was the biggest struggle of the day? That's something that might be beneficial for all of us too, though, to kind of exhale that. But I also look for kindness. So what was one kind thing someone did for you, Matt? And also what was one kind thing you did for someone else, Matt? And the reason why I go through those four questions with my kids, but also in a little journal I have, is because otherwise I just see the headlines or I see the, the, the amount of patience that I had to see or have to see tomorrow, whatever the, the numbers are, and it can grind you down. I want to be reminded that life is not perfect, but it is good. And there are good people stepping forward, making a difference. And if we're not looking for it, we won't see it. So I want my kids to see that, but I also want their dad to see it. So those are a couple activities I do in the evening that are very helpful. And then in the morning, I wake up a little bit before I need to. I typically look east with a cup of coffee in hand. I watch the sun rise and I have a journal where I just take inventory of the blessings in my life. And I don't think the idea of a gratitude journal is new or revolutionary, but I also wonder how many of us are actually practicing what, what science and research has proven out works. So if you want to start your day with renewed hope and optimism and compassion, not only for others, but for yourself, take a deep breath. Pour yourself a cup of water, tea, or coffee. Watch the sun rise and just say, gosh, why me? What am I grateful for? And make that list. We don't have to spend 50 minutes doing this, but a couple is a really wonderful and strong and proven to be helpful way to start your day. That is very powerful. And those are all such practical examples of small things that we can begin to do to um, you know, take a little bit more accountability and uh, you know, reflect 
um, a little bit more in what we're doing. Um, in the same way you mentioned your lived experience recovering from your injury, those small things like pressing the elevator button or, yeah. or putting a shirt on, those are small things that are so impactful um, in, in someone's life and incorporating some of these small changes into, uh, you know, your life as a practitioner uh, can have just as big of an impact on your perspective and mm. uh, your motivation as well. Well, and my wife, my wife as a young therapist worked with kids with special needs. And I remember she came home shortly before the holidays when we were first married and was like fired up. And I couldn't figure out why at first. And then she shared with me that one of her little kiddos in, in the special school district where she worked at the time was able on that morning to put his jacket on all by himself. And for her, like this was a turning point. And as excited as Beth was, it made me think like about the moments in my own life when I did these seemingly small things, like I got the shirt on. I was able to figure out how to write my very first thank you letter back for something. I was able to brush my own teeth without my parents helping me, like the seemingly small things, but they're not. And the cool thing about when once you do one little thing, it gives you the conviction and the agency to believe you can do the next thing too. And the next thing too, and the next thing as well. So not only is it hugely beneficial for yes, the therapist, but also the patient. It's also cool for everybody else watching this work get done. So it, the, the the work of getting that jacket on or the teeth eventually brushed, it served not only me but my mother who picked me up that day, and she has a hard life going on too, raising this little boy with, with now some special needs, and she sees joy again in my heart, something that had been missing for a long time. And that joy in my heart was provided that day because some therapist sat with me long enough to teach a little boy with no fingers how he could brush his teeth again. So the, the small things, my friends, if I have not yet rocked you to sleep, I remind you of this now, the small things aren't. The small things aren't. I, I love that. You know, I'd love to ask uh, all my guests uh, to share a golden nugget. Um, I think you've already shared so much that's valuable and inspirational and motivational. Um, but if there was just one thing that you could say to to our listeners, to occupational therapy students and practitioners out there, uh, one thing that you would say to them or recommend they do, what would it be? <laughs> well, join us in Kansas City would be the very first thing I would say <laughs> to them. You'll up. Uh... O'Leary will be far better with a microphone on and uh, they'll, they'll make the sound sound even better when we're in this awesome, beautiful room with about 7,000 of our friends. So join us live in Kansas City. That would be one thing. Second thing I would say is give yourself some grace. I just think the work is hard. It just is. It's meaningful, but it's hard. And so um, fill your bucket. Take time for you. Give yourself a little bit of grace. I, I think your patients will be better. Those that you serve through your profession will be better because you're taking care of you. So do that. And then the final thing I'll say, I know you asked for one, I'll give you three, is to thank someone who guided you to this place in your life. What, one of the most amazing things for my wife and I, as we talk about our lives, looking back on it, is when she was a young therapy, occupational therapy student, she was by chance positioned in a burn center about 90 minutes away from St. Louis where, where she got her, her, her uh, education. And we had just started dating and she randomly found herself in this clinic for people who've been burned. And although she and I did not spend a lot of time in the early days while we started dating, talking about the fire, she got this ground floor view of what it looked like to not only get burned, but to serve those who have been burned. 
And she reached back out to her therapist and to her teachers to uh, thank them for the opportunity of, of serving patients who have uh, who've received burns like this. And it changed our relationship. It changed our lives. And so the third little bit of advice might be for those of you who uh, are still listening to the podcast, none of us got to this point in life by ourselves. So before the sun sets on this day, like just reach out to one teacher or maybe one person you graduated with or a parent or rabbi or pastor or friend, whomever it might be, but just in a world that's so, so, you know, we just struggle so often and it feels so difficult some days. Reach out to one person today and just tell them that you love them and that you're grateful for them. I think it's going to make a mighty difference, not only for them, but also for you. Absolutely. Those are wonderful nuggets, John. Um, thank you again so much for your time, for sharing your your knowledge and, um, you know, your lived experience with us. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm really excited to hopefully get to know you a little bit more in Kansas City as well. It's going to be great, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll see you then. All right. Today we are joined by Sarah Thomas. Thank you so much for your time and for being on the show today, Sarah. Great. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's our pleasure. Sarah, you are a licensed occupational therapist, a partner and CEO at Mestel World Staffing Solutions. I hope I'm saying that right. CEO at the Light by Design, an advisor, a consultant, um, what what titles am I missing for you here? <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> You're also one of our featured speakers at the upcoming AOTA Inspire Conference in Kansas City. How how do you prefer to be introduced as someone who does have so many different roles in their professional life? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you did a good job. I'm an occupational therapist always, and I see everything through the lens of an OT. Um, but I have always looked at opportunities for thinking outside the box on how we look at human-centered design in both product design, space design, um, and then also applications in business and how you meet people where they're at and help them set goals that are meaningful for them and moving them forward, whether that's a company, a brand, or a product. So all of the titles really mean nothing. It's just what we're out there doing as as OTs and, and myself. I just have some business opportunities and for innovation uh, and entrepreneurship. I love that. Well, thank you so much for um, that little introduction. And I'm really excited to, to get to know about your experience um, applying occupational therapy uh, perspectives to business and to um, other ventures. Uh, we really are looking forward to your fireside chat at AOTA Inspire, which will be on Thursday, April 20th at 3 p.m. for all our listeners. Um, and that's going to be focused on embracing entrepreneurship. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you were able to leverage your experience as an occupational therapist to build a successful consulting practice? Sure, Matt. I'm also really excited um, about the upcoming conference and being able to meet with like-minded people and those who are excited about the opportunities ahead uh, in entrepreneurial ventures. Um, I've been really fortunate to start off as a occupational therapist in skilled nursing and um, and post-acute rehab specifically. I've always been in you know working with older adults and really dedicated over 20 years in in that space. But quickly into my career I started advising technology startups, digital health startups um, on 
you know, how to enter the market. And I would help to pilot on a clinical level, new products, giving feedback on um, user experience and UI, UX, and just basically the design of how do you implement technologies uh, and new products into clinical practice and into business for better efficiencies and better clinical outcomes. That quickly kind of evolved uh, as more and more startups needed my uh, advisement. And I had some large national and international roles, including leading global innovation for Genesis Healthcare, at the time, largest post-acute care provider in the world, uh, was in the country. And then we had some joint ventures with China, where I helped launch Genesis into China and designed the innovation center there, smart connected living environment, where you're looking at everything from predictive analytics, virtual reality and simulation to um, biometric monitoring through home appliances, voice automation and activation for environmental access, um, and being able to pilot things in both the U.S. and in China allowed us to vet technologies differently and, and also give feedback to the technology companies themselves on how to better fit the market and the user need or the, or the, the patient need. Um, and so I've been, you know, sitting at this intersection of technology and aging for a long time now. Um, and whether it was leading innovation for Genesis or also sitting at aging 2.0. So at, during my time at Genesis, I was positioned as the executive in residence living in Silicon Valley and really advising kind of three buckets of stakeholders. And that's the technology startups that are looking to make a difference in the world somewhere along the aging continuum whether that's care coordination or helping with mobility or cognition or really helping to improve older adults' age and also their just overall experience in society, improving resource access and helping with everything from prevention and wellness to end-of-life challenges. And then the second bucket is the stakeholder involved, and that could be direct to consumer, to the individual, or it could be uh, a large post-acute rehab company like Genesis or distributors uh, of these products into the market or consumer brands even just that are looking to have better sensitivity to the older adults and what their experience might be. And then the third bucket is the venture capital world. And you know what are we looking at investing in? To be able to accelerate the growth of these technologies into the market. And so that's been, you know, about 15 years now. Well, actually even more. <laughs> my, my world time flies. But uh, the those three buckets are where I sit. And at, whether it was at Aging 2.0 or then when I spun off a Delight by Design, those are, it all, all makes sense as to where, why I have many titles and um, all kind of doing the same thing within those three buckets, helping the each of the stakeholders understand what the older adult needs are, what the products are that can help our experience better, and what we should invest in in the landscape that can be pretty noisy as new things come into the market. What's best of class and how can we improve that experience overall? That's amazing. Um, thank you, Sarah. It sounds like you've done an, a, an amazing job at applying the OT lens and a, a person-centered approach to everything that you do to all these different buckets, uh, like you mentioned, that's uh, very inspiring. Why would you say now is is a great time for entrepreneurship to be a bigger focus within occupational therapy? And and, and what opportunities do you see for um, other practitioners out there? So um, I've always been excited to hear from 
OTs who are out there, you know, who just want to implement new technologies or, or new ideas, evidence-based practice with some innovation influ- infused in their practice, just within their traditional practice settings. We don't always need to jump into uh, a, a new new setting or a new um, entrepreneurial endeavor as running your own business or your own practice. You could bring it just into your own practice and the daily lives you touch. We've also had people who are just, you know, they've got really creative ideas, they're inspired in different types of ways, and they really want to be able to explore explore how are they um, also contributing to product design or design of space and aging in place or helping home modification, which we're also skilled in, but how can we, you know, make that into a business or do some things outside of our practice to, you know, add additional income uh, revenue stream for ourselves or also just impact different sectors, maybe do something um, a little bit more uh, innovative than the traditional clinical roles. And so I think it's just really exciting time to look at self-evaluation and how do I want to apply uh, new things that we learn in outside industries from retail and hospitality or uh, health systems and bringing them into our senior living settings or our at-home and and in-home and uh, community-based practice, and and certainly not just older adults, but how are we looking to add convenience, add efficiency, add better outcomes to any practice area that we might be working in. So I'm just really excited to have this conversation, um, you know, at at the main stage this year and, and really be able to answer questions for people. I get a lot of outreach for OTs looking to start something new or add something or integrate something and I think it's just time to to look at where we define our own seats at the table. And I love that, and I I want to thank you again for giving uh, this this fireside chat at AOTA Inspire. Could you preview uh, for our listeners what they will gain from attending this conversation with you? Sure. Well, we're hoping to um, branch a little bit and build a little bit from what we've done in the past. So I was on the AMSIS Management and Administration Subcommittee for a while, and I always did the AMSIS private practice for a few years. I did, you know, how to build an entrepreneurial toolkit and working with resources to build your own private practice from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, technologies that can help you build your own business. Um, and then we, we went the last couple of years virtual and then also last year on the panel, we had talks about startups and innovation and product design. And from that, I get a lot of questions uh, individually of, hey, how can I bring my product idea or my capstone prod- project into the market? How can I build on it? How can I seek revenue? How can I build a business from a product? Or how can I take technology or innovation that I see elsewhere and just integrate it into my practice and enhance kind of my toolkit because maybe I've been out of school for a while or maybe I've been in a certain setting for a while and I want to enhance how I'm practicing um, with evidence-based but also with innovation in mind. And so I'm just excited to build on what we've already you know, had for com- foundational conversations and give opportunity for uh, some Q&A ahead of time. We're going to take some questions and build on what people are actually needing and reaching out for. Just how can you enhance your practice with an entrepreneurial spirit in mind, whether it's building a new business or whether it's building a product or integrating into current practice. Listening to you share all these these wonderful ideas and, and excited to, to hear uh, your fireside um, conversation. Um, I, I'm a relatively new practitioner. I'm going on two years in an outpatient pediatric setting. Um, Sometimes for new practitioners, the focus is really on 
getting accustomed to practicing every day, making sure our interventions are evidence-based and, and we're doing everything correctly and as it should be doing. Uh, what would you say it takes to really be an innovative OT practitioner, to take things a step further? How can practitioners really create an environment to workshop those potential ideas and, and plan to increase their scope um, or, or break into to new settings through innovation? So I, I think you're spot on with how you're presenting the first part of this. I think it's vitally important to start with a strong foundation, evidence base, and understanding what the current workflows are. I would not be as successful and not have as many opportunities if I didn't understand the true needs of the individual patient, as well as the family, as well as the environment or the workflow, uh, the reimbursement and the regulatory, those components then help you look at other ways to improve each of those. So innovation, you know, is, is not something for, I want to fix it, but I know nothing about it. You have to start with knowing, you know, the, the core and the foundation and, and branching from there. Uh, you are then becoming, you know, a subject matter expert a lot quicker if you have a strong foundation of what the true needs are. So I think you're right in starting where you mentioned. I also think that in order to move beyond that or to enhance your own practice, it's, it's, it's stepping outside your comfort zone to learn more, learn from others, learn from other practice areas and look, learn from uh, other industries as well that we can bring into our own practice and, and take evidence-based research and resources from telehealth practices in the medical realm and bring it into our our own practices, um, where whatever setting we may work in. Um, pick, pick a specific disease state or diagnosis or condition or outcome and try to look to see what's out there for innovative treatment practices. Um, where does technology enhance some of these? And just start small, even just piloting something and putting together a pilot process within your own practice, like I started, was just extremely valuable. How does how do you outline, a, um, you know, goals for a successful outcome of a pilot and how can you measure the the outcome of progress with a product design or or space or accommodation or compensation, all things that we're used to in our practice, but how can we do that also with products or technology or new treatment ideas? So I think there's great opportunity to have that discussion on stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you mentioned it earlier. There's there's so much good within our profession. There's so many creative ideas and, and opportunities. And so I want to thank you for sharing your, your knowledge and your experience um, to provide guidance and encouragement to OT practitioners to really begin to become more innovative and, and potentially break into an entrepreneurship type role. I want to ask you, Sarah, what, what else are you looking forward to at AOTA Inspire this, this year? Well, I always um, find the AOTA conference, especially now that we're back in person, which is great for us all to just reset and refill the cup. I think we're all caregivers by nature and we all give to our profession and to our patients. Um, and this is the the time that I'm always energized when I'm back in the room with a bunch of OTs who are all thinking um, in really creative and wonderful ways. And I think just I'm, I'm personally looking forward to reconnecting with Roots. I always uh, find that really inspiring. And then also I love to mentor. And so lots of opportunity to meet with clinicians who have reached out and asked for how can they get involved in various settings or various entrepreneurial efforts and um, how do they start their own business or build a product? Um, 
you know, so I just love to be able to share that as we're, as we're meeting on the stage and then just enjoy the week together to, to re-inspire and reinvigorate our practices. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it as well. Sarah, we like to end each show with the golden nugget segment. If you could share one recommendation or one piece of advice for OT practitioners, what would you say? I would say to always look to see what fuels your passion. I think we always look to see what is motivating, what intrinsically motivates our patients and our families and those lives we touch. But I often think that we get tired and we get um, some, sometimes our practice is stale or we get overwhelmed with the many roles and many hats that we wear. And I think it's important to look inward and apply all of the teachings that we help others with and bring it back on ourselves as well. What motivates us, what drives us, what helps us, you know, fill all of our occupational needs and, and what, what brings passion to our life. And, and I think that's where we need to look for our next professional growth opportunity is, is what helps us to find that balance and to be motivated to grow and what drives our passion. So I would say apply our principles that we apply externally, internally, and don't forget the self-care part. I love that. That is an awesome nugget to end this interview on. Sarah, thank you so much for your time um, and for sharing all of this with us today. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you in April. Thanks for listening to the AOTA podcast. Tune in again next time.